weiter. Sometimes I just have too much going on right here, right here. I've got mics and masks and eyeglasses and all kinds of things. Um, it's been so hard to see. And just thinking about that last song we were singing, you know, God, what do you want to do? What good thing do you want to bring out of something that we can't find anything positive about? Back in the summer, just praying about the fall, and everything was so uncertain. Like Kevin said in his prayer, you know, it's been difficult or challenging for us to kind of plan the next step and the next step because about the time we feel, oh, Lord, this, this, this feels about as good as it can feel in a good direction, then something will change, and, uh, and, it, and it'll just take us in, in, a, in a new place. So we've tried to, to manage and to cope but we want to do more than that. We want to see a victory. I just prayed a moment ago while we're singing, standing right there. God, I don't want to cope. I don't want to manage. I don't want to get by in myself or as a church. I don't want us just to survive. And the last stat that I saw said that up to 20% of churches will go out of business by Christmas. And God, I don't want to just still be here. I want victory. I began praying back in the summer. God, what do you want to do in me during this season? Everything's changed. I don't want it to be wasted. I don't just want to come to the end of this and go, well, we got through that, you know, wasn't it? Man, that was was crazy. We got some memories and we'll put our masks away in a drawer and someday tell future generations about this crazy time. There's got to be more to it than that. The Lord began to speak to my heart. And I know sometimes when somebody says, God told me or God spoke to me, you go, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was you. Maybe that was pizza. Maybe that was something else. I think God, God spoke to my heart and said, Dan, I want to teach you how to pray. Father, I just pray every day. I pray so much. I just love to pray. And that's been one of the few things that's, that's somewhat constant in my life. Now, there are times that it's, it's easier for me to speak than it is to listen. So there are times when I get done praying, when I get done talking, that I'm like, God, you can just, I don't need to hear back from you today. I'm just going to go on my way. You know, that's not how prayer works. God has been deepening and strengthening just the simplicity of prayer in my life for months. And I say, God, where do, you, where do you want to take this? Teach your folks how to pray. Teach. Teach people how to pray. And that it's worth it. It's worth every breath. It's worth every moment that you spend in prayer. Because that is the place of victory. So in this new series today, we're going to explore how Jesus teaches us to pray. Prayer, so fundamental, right? It's just so, so, it's like basic Christianity. Many of us initiated our, our very relationship with Jesus as a child, as a young adult, maybe even as a, as a grown-up through prayer. And that was your first point of contact. It's just 
It's simply talking to God and also making time and space for God to talk to us. Prayer is a back and forth continual conversation. It comes out of a relationship. You're going to hear me say that again and again because it's not a ritual. It's not something you mimic or just words that you say routinely. It's a relationship of intimacy that happens, I think, mostly, and I think it happens best in a secret place that's quiet and devoid of distractions. One of those secret places for me is early in the morning in my kitchen. Nothing sacred. (laughs) It's not a sanctuary. It's my kitchen. Oh, folks, it becomes... holy when he fills that space up just a space where we clean and where we prepare food and and where we sit and where we laugh and we talk with people he says give me this space early in the morning and I'm going to do something completely different in this quiet place you need a place you need a place it also includes praying without ceasing all throughout our day. So we're going to learn how to do that together. I've got lots of favorite authors, and and I read, I realized the other day that I've got about five books going on at once, and I thought, (laughs) no wonder that I am so, you know, kind of scattered, or or I can't remember the reference when I'm in conversation with somebody. I go, yeah, I just read that. It was in, I don't know which book it was in. Uh, but, but I know somebody really smart said this, but there's one author, there's several authors, but the one in particular I come back to again and again and again. And I think I have read him more consistently in my adult life than I have anybody else except for possibly C.S. Lewis. His name is Oswald Chambers. He died when he was in his early 30s. He said this, The reason that many of us leave off praying and become hard towards God is because we only have a sentimental interest in prayer. It sounds right to say we pray. We read books on prayer, which tell us prayer is beneficial. Our minds are quieted and our souls are uplifted when we pray. Worship and intercession must go together. The one is impossible without the other. Intercession means that we rouse ourselves up to get the mind of Christ about the one for whom we pray. Too often, instead of worshiping God, we construct statements as to how prayer works. We hurl our petitions at God's throne and dictate to Him as to what we wish He would do. We do not worship God nor do we seek to form the mind of Christ. Father, I want to pray in Jesus' name. Lord, teach me how to pray. Father, teach us 
this family, our church, teach us how to pray. And I pray that in that one activity, we would explode in intimacy and in revival, in unity and in victory. And Father, we give our spirits over to you today. We're listening to you with our physical ears. We're listening to you today well, with our spiritual ears. Uh, Father, we, we ask you to teach us how to pray. In the month of October, we give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read for you because... Um, you know, when it came to this moment where the disciples were about to ask Jesus, now if you were with Jesus, and he said, you know, let me show you, what do you, what do you want to know? What do you want to know? I would think, oh Lord, show me how to preach. <laughs> Lord, teach me. Will you teach me how to preach? I don't know. Lord, just teach me how to teach. Teach me how to be giving. Teach me to be patient. Teach me to be loving. Teach me to be generous. So many things, Lord, I would want you to teach. When they had this opportunity, there was one thing about Jesus that stood out above everything else. There was one attribute of his that they said, this is what we've got to know. Because we sense that this is where you're getting everything you have. This is where your victory is. This is where your power is flowing from. Lord, if you're going to teach us something, will you teach us how to pray like you pray? It's just different than anything we've ever heard. We've never seen or experienced prayer in the way that we see it in you. Teach us how to do that. So Jesus did. He began to teach them. Here's, here's what prayer is about. And he began to redefine that. And at the end of that little, that little moment of teaching, he said, well, you know what? Just let me give you an example. Let me just say a genuine, real prayer right now in the way that you ought to pray. He said, I'm just going to set up for you a prototype, a model. And, and it's like if you don't know how to pray, well, here's a, here's a good example. When you open the box and you've got to put something together, maybe you ordered a toy from Amazon or you ordered some kind of a device, and there's those instructions you've got to put together. Jesus said, here's the instructions, step one, two, three. And so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he begins a familiar little discourse that even if you're not in Christ, if, if, if somebody just brought you to church and thought, yeah, I'll give that a try, or maybe you're watching online and you think, well, I don't usually watch shows like this, but I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll watch. You're probably already familiar with this little scripture. Here's what it says. Pray then, literally, well, consequently, <laughs> or therefore, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, holy, glory, praise be your name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. Here's the big idea, the fuel behind the message today. Jesus provides a model, an example of prayer that places prayer in the context of relationship, relationship with our Heavenly Father. Now, at the end of the message, I'm going to give you a very specific application, okay? I'm going to give you something, you know, very particular uh, to think, well, what do I do next? How do I initiate this? I, I, I want this in my life. But for now, let me just give you a general application point so when we leave here, we'll kind of know, uh, God, I, I don't know what the next step is. And it's this, you can come to your Father and confidently partner with Him in praying for His glory and kingdom to come into the earth, as well as provisions for, for yourself and others for their, just their basic needs, for protection and cleansing and, and all these things. That's what that daily bread was talking about. I've been a Christian now for a while, and maybe most of you are too. You're, you're followers of Jesus, and as, and as followers, we know we should pray. <laughs> sometimes we pray in the mornings after waking up, uh, sometimes maybe right before a big test. I have prayed some magnificent prayers right before tests. I have prayed for miracles and information that I didn't know or study to, to somehow appear in my mind. Thank you, Jesus. He rarely ever answered those prayers. We pray when we need extra strength, when we're weary, when we're tired. I shared with you not long ago that there was a time I didn't know what to pray. I could not pray, and I just fell down on my face on the carpet in my office, and I just said, Jesus... Jesus, I thought, oh, Holy Spirit, I hope you know. I hope you can take this and do something with it because I don't know what to say. Sometimes you pray at the end of the day. Many of you pray over your meal. That's a tradition. That's, that's something we do. I, I didn't grow up doing that very consistently at all. But we pray. We just pause several times during the day. We pray in our staff meetings. We pray for you. Anything we know about specifically, we pray over. Many of us, honestly, many, many of us as, as Christians, we struggle with prayer. We often feel guilty about how little we pray. And when we finally do make time to pray... We often don't know exactly what to say. I started praying a couple years after high school. I'd prayed before then, and I would pray sporadically, but I started praying consistently. And there was a guy that came to our college, and he taught us what he called the 2959 plan. And it was just this, this way of spending about a half an hour every day just alone with the Lord in a quiet time. I'd never heard of anything like that. But I can remember praying 
you know, for about four or five minutes and thinking, that ought to do it. That's everything I know. <laughs> That's everything I've got on my mind. I've prayed for all the missionaries that I know. I mean, I've prayed for everything. And that's got to be 30 minutes. And I look at that clock in about five or six minutes. I think, well, let me pray for some more. You know, I'll, I'll just start, you know, and you just keep going. Not that there is any kind of legalistic, and this is something later the Lord set me free and said, you know what, I'm not all about 2959s. I'm not about a specific time limit or place or geography or anything else. I just want to have a conversation with you. God began to take me to a new place where he began to set me free. But we struggle. We struggle with this. And as we begin today our journey into prayer, I just thought there's nowhere that's a more appropriate place, nowhere that just seemed right to me to begin than with the way that Jesus taught his disciples, his friends, how to pray. It was during Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that he provided his followers with these instructions these teachings, and he used this model prayer to be able to help them to go, oh, okay. Because, you know, sometimes somebody teach you how to do something, they tell you how to do something, and you kind of get it, but they go, no, no, wait, wait, let me show you. Let me show you how to do this. And you go, oh, okay, oh, now, now I can see. That's the genius behind YouTube for me. I've done all kinds of things. I have fixed things and repaired things and learned how to do stuff that I think, oh, okay, now when I see you do that, now I think I can, I can fix my grill, my headlight, my whatever it is. This model prayer has become known as the Lord's Prayer. Here's a breakdown of, of how Jesus instructed us to pray. Let's just walk through this together. In chapter 6, verse 9, he said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus didn't direct his disciples to begin their prayer. Uh, if I didn't know anything about this, I, I would have I said something like, Oh, our God, <laughs> oh, thou God almighty in heaven. I mean, I would have said something big. Something honoring, something respectful. Dear Jehovah, Yahweh. He didn't do any of that. Rather, Jesus just said, Our Father. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that just beautiful? Of all the words and of all the titles for God that Jesus could have used to initiate this model prayer he chooses the word father and it gets even better than that because in doing that Jesus is correcting our perceptions of God now the Greek word here is pater but in Aramaic in the language that Jesus would have been speaking the word was Abba, which was a term of, of intimacy and affection, but it had respect built into it. It was normally the very first word most Hebrew children ever said. Don't you love that? very first word they ever said, and they were just little babies, and they'd reach those arms up, and they'd go, Abba. 
And that just that joy that you know, the father's heart would have had at hearing that. Did you hear that? Say it again. Say, he, he, said, he said my name first. That was real typical. But adults would use this as well. Some of you, you still say Papa. Or you'll still, you know, you're 50, 60 years old, and you'll say Daddy. Daddy. I remember hearing my father call his father Daddy. He was Grandpa to me, but he was Daddy to my Daddy. Jesus said, just start with that. Say, Daddy. He's teaching us that when we come before God as His dearly beloved children, and He is our Father. And Jesus is teaching us that prayer is built on this relationship of intimacy. Secondly, by teaching us, you know, He says in verse 9, Hallowed be your name. Jesus is cleansing our expectations in prayer. God is not a genie in a lamp that grants all of our wishes. I have treated prayer like that, and, and you have to. Rather, our, our chief concern in this prayer is that God would be honored, that God would be glorified. This isn't just a fancy beginning. This isn't just a way to say, you know, something nice at the beginning, and let's get that out of the way so we can start praying. This is part of the prayer. The word hallowed is very similar to agios. It's very similar to the word holy. But it's more, it's holy, and it's glory, and it's respect, and, and, it's, and it's this effect. He said, oh God, hallowed be your name. Your name, a name was everything. He said, your name, I want your name to be hallowed. Then in verse 10, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is currently being done in heaven. God's will is always happening in heaven. And he said, just like that's happening in heaven, make that happen on earth too. Connect us. I love this because... I think this statement is teaching us that prayer is a partnership. We join God to accomplish His purposes right here on earth. Just like He's accomplishing all of His purposes in heaven. He says, let me partner with you and let's do that on earth too. And Jesus invites us to join God through prayer so that his kingdom would be extended throughout the earth. That's one of his purposes in your life, in your dorm room, in your apartment complex, in your neighborhood, in your place of business, in your car while you're driving. He goes, this looks like a good place to establish the kingdom. Will you partner with me? Most of you don't know because I've never mentioned that I have grandsons. And... One of those grandsons, when he was a little younger, he, just, he still loves to help me outside in the yard. And I have a wheelbarrow, and he has a little wheelbarrow. And when I do mulch, I'll just have this, you know, these big piles of mulch dumped, in, and we do that, and he will, he will fill up that little wheelbarrow. It, it's about a shovel or two full. And we'll go all around the yard and put that mulch, and one day we were doing that, and we had worked our way around to the back, 
we were hot, and he had on these gloves that are twice the size that he, I don't know how he moved his little hand in there and everything worked, but he looked up, he calls me Dandy, and he said, Dandy, us is a good team. Well, some of you aren't there yet, but you will be. Oh my God, I thought, what do you want? College? <laughs> you want my antique car? What do you want in this moment? Do you think God is a better father than me? Yeah. Us is a good team. In verse 11, he said, Give us this day our daily bread. It's a little tricky to translate this because he's saying, Please continue in this day and in this day and in the next day. In all of our days, would you be continuously giving our daily bread? And daily bread is, is a symbol or a, like a metaphor. He's teaching us that through prayer, we can ask God to meet our daily needs. Martin Luther said that bread is, is just a symbol for everything that's necessary for the preservation of life. You can pray for that. Jesus did. God wants to provide what's necessary for us. We just need to ask. In verse 12, it's very interesting. He says, and forgive our debts. Now, some of you reading out of the old King James, you know, which was pretty good, actually, it says, you know, as we forgive those who trespass or those who, de you know, have debts against us. This actually is written in a tense. It's like a perfect, it says, as we have, because we've forgiven, other people, now we can step into this place where we feel a freedom to ask you to forgive us. Do you see it? Do you see the prerequisite for, you know, otherwise, wouldn't that be arrogant? I mean, w wouldn't that just be the most narcissistic thing you've... I'm not forgiving anybody around me, but I, I hope you would forgive me. Because they, I haven't done to you what they've done to me. Theirs is worse. No, he said, you, you want to be forgiven? And you forgive. And then come back. We live in the pains and the anxiety. We know it full well. I mean, you just look around, right? You look around at COVID. You look around at the political situation. It's an election year. And it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Let me just, just tell you, hang on. <laughs> Hold on, folks. And it's all over the world. We live in a place that's not redeemed yet. And this statement teaches us do not allow guilt from the things that you've done or the things you've thought, wish you could do if you'd get away with it. Don't allow that, that, the guilt from that to shame us from coming to God and to receive His loving forgiveness. He longs to do that. He's right there. When I was a young Christian, people said, you know, well, you need to do this. You need to be careful. You need to say this. You need to confess because you're right relationally, but you're out of fellowship. And I bought into that. And I know some of you, you're already, you're resisting a little bit going, yeah, I'm at, you, okay, I'm going to say something. I'm just going to let you think about it the rest of your day and I'm just going to leave it there. You're never out of fellowship because it wasn't about you and your good deeds and your behavior to begin with. It was about the cross, and the blood of Jesus. And that's what attached, attached you to him to begin with. 
It was never about how good you are, and I guess I'm going to have good fellowship today with the Lord. I guess he'll hear my prayers because I think I've done pretty well. It was always grace. He's always right there in fellowship with you, longing to pull you in. Now for me, when that happens, when he pulls me in, there's something that just feels like automatic that I want to do. I just want to get my thing. I say, God, I, I know I'm right with you, and I know that I'm dependent on you, but I just need to tell you. I just need to agree with you about something. And that's called confession. And in confessing, first, I allow the Holy Spirit to search my life and to reveal sin. That's what Psalm 139, that's what, that's what he's doing. That's what the author's doing. Next, when God points that out, when Holy Spirit says, Hey, Dan, I can rationalize, I can make excuses, I can lie to him, I can do all of that. He says, just agree. It's not as painful as you think. Just agree with God about whatever he reveals. And thirdly, just ask God, God, I, I, I want to know. I, wanna, I, I know I'm forgiven, but I need that assurance of that. And I'm just asking you, I'm just telling you, I'm so sorry. I want to repent of that. And then fourthly, accept the fact that God has already completely forgiven and cleansed you of all guilt and shame. When you began to believe that, when you began to walk in that, you're going to know a freedom and a liberty and a victory like you may have never known. I don't care if you've been a Christian for a year or 10 years or 50 years. That's what 1 John 1, 9 is all about. And then when I, I, I come to that place, and, and in addition to the, this confession of these sins, we're also to release others from the ways they have wrongly uh, treated us. And from anything that we're still holding on to, any grudges, anything, you know, Paul says this in, in Colossians 3.13. He said, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. In that same way, you must also forgive. That's a hard verse. You probably, you think, I'd like, I'd, I don't want to underline that verse. I'd just like to scratch that one out of my Bible. But there it is. In forgiving others, we first admit somebody has offended us. You can't do any of that business of, oh, no, it didn't bother me. No, no, it just said, no, you guys, yeah, that, that, that kind of bugged me a little bit. Secondly, we release them from that debt. Jesus did this on the cross. You know, in Luke 23, 34, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Most of the people who are going to hurt you this week, most of the things that your spouse or your friend or your roommate or your children, they, they didn't get up thinking, they, they didn't have a whiteboard I'm going to write down every offensive thing I can just intensely, and when the moment comes, I'm going to say this because I just can't wait to hurt people today. Most folks aren't like that. It's, it's, it's unintentional, but we do it to each other. But we do that, and he, and he says, just, just let that go. Release them from that debt. Jesus did it very purposely from the cross. He said, they, they, they have no idea what they're doing right now. Ask God for the grace to seek reconciliation with the person. That's a big step. Verse 13, 
He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You see the contrast he sets up? Jesus is teaching us to seek God to help us all through life by protecting us or preserving us through those times where the enemy intends to bring something uh, that's going to be harmful to you and to people around you. Now, some people have thought, well, isn't that a curious thing? Why would I pray, God, don't lead me to temptation? God, it, the, the word is, don't subject me. Don't leave me out here on my own in temptation. Don't let me go to a place. Don't put me in a place where I'm vulnerable and, 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 I, I'm bare, and, I, and I could be tempted. Keep me in safe places. God, keep me in safe places. Le- lead me in, in ways that I would be delivered from that kind of evil. Now, we're encouraging you to read a book with us. And I think if you do, you're going to love it. But the best way to learn to pray is not by reading a book on prayer or hearing me teach about prayer. The best way to learn about prayer is to pray. You're not going to mess it up. You're not gonna, oh, I don't think I did it right. It's okay. It's okay. So I mentioned earlier that I had a specific challenge or an application uh, for this message, and, and this is it. For the next week, would you just maybe, right now in your heart, purpose, I'm going to set aside just five to ten minutes you spend more than that shaving or taking a shower or driving your car to work or school or walking to class, you spend more time than that watching television and, and reading books and, and magazines and things. So would you, and, and I'm not trying to, I guess I am, because uh, I'm desperate to get you to, to pray because I really think this is where God's just going to explode in our lives. I, I really do. Set aside five to ten minutes a day and use this model that Jesus gave us. If you think, well, Dan, I've never prayed. I don't know. Where do I start? I don't know how in the world to do this. Well, I just gave you an outline. And you'll progress from that. You won't feel tied to it so much. But you need a place to start? Well, Jesus gave you one. Okay? So you've got a model that Jesus gave us. And you don't simply need to repeat it and to memorize it and to say it. And some of you, you know, maybe you've done that. Um, just use it like an outline. Just a, just a guide. Just something to get started praying for yourself and for others. And I'm going to ask that you would, we don't make a nickel off this, okay? So um, I'm not promoting this out of any other, uh, any, any other uh, motivation or anything, but begin reading 21 Days of Breakthrough Prayer with us. Like Joe said, it's one of the smallest books, and it's got these, just these delightful Little, little chapters here uh, for each day. And mine's underlined. This is my copy. And one of the things I really like ab- about reading through this, and by the way, our series goes through the month of October. This is just 21 days. So you've got about a week if you miss a day here and there, or if you're already behind. I think we're on day four. Is this October 4th? It is. Um, so, so you've already... Um, 
you know, missed a few days, that's okay. That's, you're, you're in the zone, okay? And we've got these out in the foyer for you. Uh, I think you'll be glad uh, that, that you engaged and did this. I do, it, I do it in the morning along with my, just my regular time along with the Lord. Now, here's one of the things I'm really enjoying about this little book is that if you go online, I, I don't have my phone, but you can do it on your phone, your computer, your tablet, any device. Uh, there, there is a guide there, and, and it just shows you all these little prayers. There's day one, day two, day three. Day, today's is day four. I listened to this this morning in the kitchen over a cup of coffee. Um, this, these little prayers uh, that you can listen to uh, someone pray. Uh, it's a man or a woman, and they just offer these sincere, heartfelt prayers. And I think they'll bless you. Now, today is day four, and it was just really sweet prayer, and I just agreed with that. But I, I want to give you just a taste, just an idea of what I mean from yesterday's prayer. This, is, this will be uh, the prayer from day Free, okay? And I want you just to listen and just to let this wash over you. And let's begin to let Jesus teach us how to pray. 